0: peeps. Nick here as always welcoming you to a very special edition of the Tucson Climate Chats podcast. This recap and precap diving into the Tucson Climate Project. Finally finishing community member interviews 218 total. Holy cow we actually did the thing and preparing to dive into data analysis. So before we even get to all of that I wanna take this opportunity to highlight one more time the absolutely rad new music that the podcast is sporting. A huge shout out to my friend, Nolan Allen, author, musician, etc., who is currently based in Grand Junction, Colorado. And hey, just for fun, the first person to email me and correctly guess the name of the movie, the year of release, and the actor from the samples heard In Tuck's new intro, you will get a shout out on the next episode of the podcast. I'm curious to see who it will be. Anyways, I am here today to essentially expand upon the email that I sent all of y'all about not only where TCP has been, but also where we are planning to go with our analysis. So to that end, this week, as I finished up participant transcripts and started moving spreadsheets around and getting ready for analysis, I also took the time to comb through all of my notes, all the emails I've received, to put together a list of questions that y'all have asked Luis and I, again, both about where the project has been, our work, our process, etc., and also where we're going. So the way this is going to work will be pretty simple. Every time you hear the following sound, that will mark Our transition from one question to the next. One more time before we dive in, immense gratitude for each and every one of you, whether you interviewed for the project, whether you've interviewed for the podcast, whether you have just expressed interest and support uh, in the work that Luis and I are doing. It's really exciting stuff and as I've said to many people many times over and over and over again, I really don't even see this as our work. We're gathering your stories, and that has been a truly humbling process to take part in. So, without any further ado, let's dive in and answer some questions. Okay, refresh my memory. What is the Tucson Climate Project? Well, seeing as I haven't talked to some of you since September, August, even July, 2020, That seems like an eternity ago in pandemic time. It's probably worth breaking down again one more time, just what it is we're doing over here. So the Tucson Climate Project as it exists in March, 2021, is a partnership between several different organizations and programs, including Changemaker High School at the core, uh, AmeriCorps, specifically AmeriCorps VISTA or Volunteers in Service to America, the federal program that makes my position with Changemaker possible, Prescott College, who are a partner of Changemaker High School, Arizona Serve, who run the AmeriCorps program that my VISTA position is part of and who are also part of Prescott College, and then also the larger Changemaker K-20 campus, which is kind of the nice neat bow that we could tie on top of all those different entities that are all doing work together over on that campus in South Tucson. Uh, The Tucson Climate Project itself was born out of my AmeriCorps VISTA position, When I started in July, Luis did not have a name. We didn't even really have a research question, as I noted uh, in the email that I sent to y'all. What it really was, was a wondering about what is going on out in the environmental community right now in the broadest sense of the word. I'll talk a little bit more in a minute about how that process has evolved over time. All you need to know right now is that we head into analysis, is that we are currently describing ourselves as a grassroots Bottom up needs assessment network analysis of the environmental community, where we went out and through snowball sampling interviewed 218 people over a period of almost eight months. And what that really turned into by the end was us asking the question Who are you? What do you do? Paint us a thumbnail sketch of your work so that when we go back and we start combing through all these notes and trying to make sense of all these stories and connections and relationships we can come in with hopefully a fairly unbiased eye, really comb through all of that and say, what do we see here? What are the trends? What are the themes? Where have people been challenged? Where are they feeling successful in their work? Uh, How can we better define what it is we're doing, do it more efficiently? But again, I'm already getting ahead of myself, right? The whole idea is to look at the choir, each one of you being a voice in that ensemble, right? And just to see, hey, What's out there? So again, more on that in a moment, but that's TCP, Grassroots Needs Assessment Network Analysis of the Environmental Community in Southern Arizona. Okay, next question. Who's on your team? Actually, that's a very good question. And the answer is just two of us. So the Tucson Climate Project, again, just as a refresher, was created or conceived of by Luis Perales, who is the CEO of both Changemaker High School and the larger Institute for Transformative Education headquartered in South Tucson. Uh, Luis has been here for about 20 years in the Tucson community. He's originally from Southwest Texas. He's been involved with a number of different groups over the years, including e Libertad, the City of Tucson's Commission uh, on Climate, Energy, and Sustainability, and a number of other things. If you look at our project guidebook, I actually do have Luis's full bio in there that used to live on the University of Arizona's website. Uh, He really is the architect here, or the brainchild, and he's also been a phenomenal mentor to me, uh, really the only other person involved with this. Y'all know who I am, Nick, I won't belabor that point, right? If you really wanna read up on my background, again, that's all in the project guidebook. I think the real question here is, when will you be adding more people to the team? I've heard that one before, right? And the answer is, I don't know. I mean, technically y'all are already on the team. We've already gotten some excellent feedback from many of you and we plan to lean on you heavily, no obligation of course, but lean on you heavily as we move into the data analysis process. You all participated, your input is invaluable, and this really is a team effort. Again, more on that in a moment. But all you need to know right now is, it's just Luis and I, no budget, no board, no staff, No outside consultants, not yet anyways, just us. And next question, what does the Tucson Climate Project have to do with the Tucson Climate Chats podcast? So there has been some confusion about this before, not the least because these two things share a similar name. I do wanna clarify that really quickly. Um, The Tucson Climate Chats podcast actually came first. Originally, Luis and I just thought this would be a cool idea to feature the voices of people we were interviewing as part of our data collection process, which at that point we hadn't even named. If you go all the way back to episode one of the podcast, you can kind of hear some of those ideas starting to emerge in that interview. But really, the Tucson Climate Chats being a podcast to feature the work of local activists, organizers, environmental professionals, whatever, really is just the outreach arm of TCP or has been up until this point. In the future, I think I see both of them starting to follow increasingly divergent paths. Again, I'll talk more about that later, but for now, consider them to be part of the same product, TCB kind of being the umbrella or the parent program, the Tucson Climate Chats podcast, just being an outward angle of that. So I know I use the word interview all the time, sometimes interchangeably between the two projects, when I talk about participant interviews, I'm referring to the Tucson Climate Project. When I talk about podcast interviews, I'm obviously referring to the show. Some TCP participants have also been featured here. There have been some people on the podcast who in turn have not interviewed for the Climate Project proper. Again, if it seems slightly confusing, it's probably because it is, but <laughs> thanks for your patience. And next question. TCP has changed a lot since I first heard about it. How did you conduct your research? Again, great question. I'll try and keep this concise because again, it's continuing to evolve as we go. Uh, In the beginning, we didn't have a research question. Uh, Our original angle was to investigate people doing environmental work in Tucson's urban core, specifically related to climate change, uh, ecological restoration, that sort of thing. And we originally thought this was going to focus on nonprofits. I don't think Luis or I ever envisioned this becoming as big as it has. And so we started with a very narrow scope. We started with three contacts, and the goal was very much just to go out and engage them and, again, gather some data about the kind of work they were doing and to start mapping that out. So originally, we approached this using a modified version of the survey that the city's uh, Commission on Climate, Energy, and Sustainability, or CCES, put out two years ago. That was admittedly before my time in Tucson, so I'm not especially familiar with the previous version. Uh, We led with the survey. We did that for about a month, month and a half. I just started to take notes during interviews as people referred me to different contacts in their networks because I realized, hey, people actually do have a lot to say about their work. And about two months in, I actually sent Luis an email and basically said, hey, listen, um, I think we should move away from the survey and just start interviewing people, like full stop, like really emphasize the note-taking aspect because I think that is where the bulk of the good data is. And so with the covert goal all along being to build relationships anyways, I think it made sense to move in that direction. It was less of an ask up front for participants, i.e. I didn't have to badger y'all about filling out a survey, one more thing for you to do, but rather it was me knocking on your virtual door and saying, hey, like I said, give me a thumbnail sketch of your work. Tell me about what you're doing in your own words, not just your organization's mission statement or whatever is written on your website, but like your personal journey And then tell me about what's on your mind right now, especially during a time like COVID when I think we're all craving connection and storytelling, or at least that's what I saw coming out of the process. So to really bottom line it for y'all, snowball sampling has been consistent in our methodology from the very beginning. We started with three people and that led to 476 contacts. 360 of which I ultimately reached out to, 218 of which, again, I ultimately connected with in the form of interviews. There were many more of you out there that I simply ran out of time to coordinate with or what have you. Don't worry, you're still on our radar and there may be another round of this. Again, more on that later. But that's where we are right now. Uh, A very sort of backwards design approach to research where we waded out into the community We listened to everyone as best we could without asking specific questions with a specific agenda. And now that we have this giant sort of qualitative sketch of people's work and who's doing what, where, and why, the hope is that we can go into that and analyze that and really see, again, what are the trends and themes independent of whatever agenda Luis and I might've had at the beginning. And the last thing I'll say on this is that We started with that nonprofit sort of climate change lens that's reflected in the original name of the Tucson Climate Project. And what it's actually turned into is uh, a study looking at the whole pie, all environmental issues, everything from food sovereignty to indigenous land rights to water, to climate, to energy, you know, whatever, uh, green architecture, and doing that across sectors, whether that's for-profit, nonprofit, academia, local county state government federal government etc and for the folks that have asked us and said hey that seems like a lot of data yeah you're right again it got way bigger way faster than we ever thought it was going to but uh i would rather have too much material to work with you know a body of data that we could make multiple passes at and ask multiple questions of rather than not having enough and have to go back out and ask more questions because we didn't gather enough from y'all the first time. So hopefully that clears that up On to the next question. What will data analysis look like for the Tucson Climate Project? I think that's a very good question, and it's sort of a two-part answer. The first part of that question would be, Luis and I do have a plan as to how we're going to approach the report. And tentatively that involves using a software called deduce to upload all of your notes, your transcripts in the form of qualitative data and to go through and code them, which uh, my understanding is fairly prevalent in social science research. I can't speak to how that is used uh, in other disciplines like again, more quantitative uh, statistics. But basically the idea is we're going to process all the text, we're going to look at it, and we're going to pull quantitative or numerical information out of it. That's going to start when we go into pre-coding, and literally all that will be, will be me taking all your transcripts, and I'm just going to start flagging them or tagging them under different categories, whether that's geography, you know, how many people did I interview in Tucson versus outside of Tucson. Uh, whether that is by sector or environmental issue. You know, how many people did I talk to about water? Oh, okay, cool, 39. They go in this pile over here. And once I finish going through all 218, just this very, very preliminary analysis where I'll probably just be flagging each individual document or transcript with a series of colors or a key to kind of indicate that. Well, already at that point, we have numerical information about the makeup of the community, or at least what we discovered in the early stages of our analysis. From there, we're actually going to start digging in line by line by line and pulling out all of these different uh, focuses, information, et cetera. Whether that is, again, a focus on what people say they're doing versus what they say they're prioritizing, uh, looking at diversity, equity, and inclusion and in environmental research. You know, there's all these different lenses we could potentially take. Towards the end of the interview process, I actually started asking many of you as the wrap-up question in our interviews, um, what would you be most interested to learn from TCP? Those are actually research questions that we can go back and code for and basically look for evidence of, you know, I wanted to learn blah, 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 cool. I can go through all those transcripts and essentially look and see who talked about the thing that you said you were interested in, what did they have to say, and what does that look like when we gather all that information together? So as of right now, I'm envisioning, again, sort of two components. The first component will be the oral component, trying to really weave uh, a narrative or a story that people would actually wanna read and not just another piece of white paper. It'll all be aggregated and anonymous, of course. No one's being directly quoted on anything unless they'd like to be. And then on the other end, there's gonna be more of a hopefully visual uh, network analysis where we actually depict the relationships, You know, bubble to bubble to bubble to bubble between all the different people that I bounced around and connected with over the last eight months. And then all of that will eventually comprise again, what we are just referring to generically as the report, which will be the product that is released later. Um, Now, the other side to this question that I alluded to at the beginning is, We are not married to that process. And in fact, uh, to borrow Luis's phrase, we are gonna be putting together uh, some data jam sessions here very soon where many of you have expressed interest in coming in and either formally or informally working as consultants for us, sharing feedback, kind of giving us some insight into our process. We are flattered by that. I mean, we're totally humbled and honored, right? Like the amount of experience in this community is mind boggling and we wanna take advantage of that. So what we're going to do is actually start sending out invites four times. We haven't figured it all out yet, but start sending out invites for times where you could drop in on a Zoom call with us, no obligation, actually meet some of the other folks that we've interviewed and then give us your feedback. Whether that is, again, about analysis, whether it's about programming ideas, whether it's about funding, whatever, we want to put together some focus groups and give you the opportunity to kind of have a first glance at what's coming out of the data and then, you know, potentially how you would format it and release it, you know, whatever your thoughts might be. Because bottom line, we don't want to release a product that's not beneficial to the community, right? If we're not telling the story in a way that benefits people, that defeats the purpose of the work. So, with that said, Uh, Even if you have not previously expressed interest, even if you don't initially get an email, hey, there are 218 of you. Um, All of you are on my radar. I'm literally staring at my contact list every morning. If you have something you want to say, if you want to connect with us, if you just want to drop in and talk ideas, independent even of the climate project, shoot Luis or I an email. Let us know. Reach out. You could even call me or text me if you'd like. My number is in my email signature. Get in touch. I'd love to follow up and hear more about what you have to say. What form will the Tucson Climate Project's report take when it is published? Um, truthfully, I don't know. Again, I'm picturing some sort of cross between a piece of white paper and you know, maybe something a little bit more readable, like a beautiful PDF. But Luis and I have kicked around everything from writing a book, putting together a documentary, maybe processing that information differently. We're really open to whatever comes out of this process as we do start to analyze and, again, kind of put some of these stories down on paper and really organize them. Because if we see a really brilliant opportunity to, again, be artistic in the way that we tell the story here, or if someone comes to us and says, hey, As long as we can respect participants' confidentiality, we think we have a way to really approach this that's novel and unique and interesting. Uh, I'm thinking of one participant who challenged me to, and I quote, write the graphic novel of reports, unquote. You know who you are, and I absolutely love that feedback. Um, Yeah, we're open to that. So if you have ideas, let us know. When will the report be ready? When will it be released? Uh, Gosh, we really wish that we knew too. (laughs) With that said, uh, originally I was quoting uh, a timeline of six to eight weeks back in the fall. Uh, I think I've realized now just how naive that was. So, uh, you know, past Nick, you weren't entirely spot on. It's totally okay though. That's why this process is open-ended. Um, the short version is, is that my AmeriCorps Vista term ends on July 19th, 2021. Of course, I have plans for my future. So does Luis. I'll tell y'all more about that in a little bit. But as I said in my email, I think our goal very much would be to have this thing done in some form by then, even if it was just preliminary, because again, we don't want the process to take forever. Part of TCP being light and nimble was that we could promise a really fast turnaround time on the report. We want it to be rigorous, we want it to be thorough. And like I said, I have a brilliant mentor who is taking the time to walk me through all the software to share his expertise. I have 40 hours a week to figure it out. And I have y'all's expertise too, which like I said, we're not even formally into the analysis process yet. And your input has already been invaluable. So yeah, four months, I think it'll be enough, but it'll be an evolving process. We'll keep you updated with the least amount of emails possible. Next question. Where is TCP's list of participants? Can I see it? Well, it's not public as of yet. And I've realized, especially in the last month or two, that Uh, There's been some confusion around the status of this list that I think I have unfortunately contributed to, so let's just take the opportunity right now to set the record straight. Uh, The list of participants is not currently public. It will not be public. You will not see all 218 people who have interviewed with us until the report actually drops. Now, why is that? Early on, I wasn't asking anyone, technically, for their consent when I was reaching out to them. No, this isn't IRB. No, this isn't a university uh, research project or program. However, we did realize a few months in, uh, I was like, whoa, wait a minute. Like, I actually should be taking some steps to make sure that I'm keeping people's information, not only confidential, but asking them how they wanna be represented in this process. So I've talked to most of you about this. I started filling out intake forms uh, in lieu of you know written consent to participate in the project. Those intake forms were very simple. And one component was simply stating your name and whatever affiliations you would like to have on the final list of participants or the option to go unaffiliated. I do not currently have those forms for everyone. And so for the people that I don't currently have those forms for, I have not been advertising their name or their organization as being part of the project. So until I have all 218 of those in one place, until I have everyone's explicit permission to use their name with the following names attached, whatever that looks like, I won't be publishing that. On a deeper level, even when the list is published, uh, again, there was a participant very early on who said, hey, listen, like you should be mindful about how you're publishing people's information Uh, don't put it out there in a way that could potentially used to harm us. And again, this person knows who they are. I really appreciated that feedback. And so even when the final list of participants comes out, you will see people's names, you will see whatever affiliations they opted to include. However, you will not have access to their emails or their phone numbers or any other form of contact information. One promise I am going to make all of you right now is that your information will never be floating around as a giant list anywhere at any time. Uh, I promise that by participating in this project that will never be the case. I have made informal introductions between participants and other people in the community as time has gone on. Sometimes that has been at participants request. Sometimes that's just because I know two people and I think they'd really get along well. Um, but generally, I'm very selective about that, and even then, that is me facilitating that interaction. You know, It is not me releasing your information out into the community for someone else to potentially do something with, right? Um, so again, I'm happy to be a resource, but for as long as y'all's information lives under our banner, like I said, I'm going to err on the side of caution about how it's distributed, how it's put out, etc. cetera, Um, because like I said, as part of the original consent process, that's not something I ask people if they'd be okay with their contact information being public. Next question. I was interviewed as part of TCP. Who has access to my data? This is just a quick refresher, like some of the questions earlier, but all you need to know is that by consenting to interview with us and allowing me to take notes while we talked, I generated an interview transcript for you. No one will ever see that in its entirety in any fashion publicly. That will not ever be published publicly anywhere. As of right now, Luis and I are the only two people that have access to all those transcripts. Anything that you say in the final report, any pull quote that we use, any information that we analyze, it will be done so in a way that is ultimately aggregated and anonymous. If there is potentially personally revealing information in a quote that we did want to use, et cetera, we would be sure to redact it so as not to be able to trace it back to you. If we're really concerned, we'll actually just reach out to you directly and show you the information we want to use and say, how can we present this in such a way that will ultimately not harm you? Again, we take confidentiality really seriously. And so for that reason, we also ask that you don't, at least for now, share your transcript with other people as well. Thanks for your understanding on the next question. I was interviewed as part of TCP. How long will I be able to edit my notes? So in the email that I sent out, I listed Friday, March 19th as the deadline to review your notes before I lock them and upload them for analysis. I wanna say here that even though we have set a deadline if you are busy, if you need more time, if you want to engage us further on that process, uh, reach out and we'll work with you, right? I have a lot of transcripts. I can't start with all of them at once. And so there's a little bit of room there uh, for me to be flexible and for you to have extra time if you need it. I also want to acknowledge that, yeah, many of you have had access to your notes probably since you know August, September, October, you've already reviewed them, awesome. You're under no obligation to review your notes. That's more just uh, a courtesy or a convenience that I wanted to provide for y'all. That way you could see how your information was being represented. But for those of you who literally just got your transcripts back in the last week or two, like I said, I totally understand. If you need more time, let me know. Just reach out and I will work with you. After all the transcripts are locked, as I mentioned in the email, If you still have information that, you know, if by some chance you reach out and you're like, hey, I I don't feel good about this. I wanna redact this. That is totally fine. We can do that. We just won't outright delete it. Um, It just won't be visible anymore. So yeah, that's what I got. Next question. I was interviewed as part of TCP. Will I get a copy of your report? So a few people have asked me this recently, and so I just want to set the record straight again. Yes, if you interviewed with the Tucson Climate Project in whatever form this report takes, you will have a copy either sitting in your inbox or accessible to you in some other way when we are done. Uh, Luis and I have gone back and forth on whether or not we want this to be a public versus private report in the sense that does it only go out to participants Does it go out to the wider community? Uh, A lot of that just depends on how we ultimately wind up telling the story. Again, for the folks who have expressed concern about how we are representing the environmental community and whether or not there is the potential for harm in calling attention to some of the more challenging things we encountered in the data. Yeah, those folks are absolutely right. And so I wanna add, while I have the chance here, that on one hand, We do want to be really frank about what we found uh, and highlighting the issues and the challenges that people brought up to us. Uh, We also don't want this to be a downer, and we don't want this to be just another rainy day report on everything that's wrong, quote unquote, in the community, because for every single thing that we're struggling with, there are also some amazing and beautiful displays of resilience that are happening right now. During the climate crisis, during COVID, during all of the BS happening uh, with systemic racism and events of the last year, et cetera, there are really, really, really good things happening despite all the oppressive systems that are weighing on us and trying to get us down. And we want to highlight those folks. Who's doing transformative work during this time? You know, to borrow a metaphor that I'm sure doesn't belong to Luis, but he uses frequently, You know, who is like tea? Um, No matter how hot the water boils, you know, those folks aren't breaking down. They are, you know, spreading and infusing everything with nutrients and flavor and goodness. And I could just go on and on and on with the analogy. We've talked to some of those people and I've been absolutely blown away by the work that they're doing or the attitude that they have during this time. And so the goal is very much to take the challenges on one hand and say, Hey, here's what y'all said we're feeling collectively pushed or stretched by. But then we also want to take that other group of people and be like, check this out. Like, how do we learn from these folks, these lessons, these stories, uh, these successes, and carry that forward? So depending on how that balance shakes out, uh, again, depending on how we process a lot of y'all's information, because you were you know, incredibly frank and honest with this, and we appreciate that, uh, I think that will determine whether or not the report is public or private. And also, you will have a say in that. Like I said, when we get to that point, if we're on the fence, if we're not sure, we will absolutely put that question to y'all and we'll be like, cool, here's some of the information. Does this feel good to you? And if it doesn't, you know, let's talk about how we want to put it out into the world or or maybe not. Uh, you know, it's an open question. So that's a good one. How will TCP's report be distributed? I think we'll know as we get closer to the actual release. Uh, I'm going to highlight anonymously, at least, uh, a few different individuals who I'm really grateful for now, who throughout our interviews, they came out and were like, yeah, um, I know some people, or I have some channels that I could put this through, or I have some ideas on how this rollout could go when we get to that point. Y'all know who you are? Luis and I are gonna be in touch when we get there. Of course, we have our own ideas, but we want this to be a collaborative effort. You know, a few people even very explicitly said to me during their interviews, like, hey, have you considered what the value of this could potentially be to other sectors, people doing work in other disciplines, et cetera? You know, I think the environmental community uh, will really benefit from hearing this, but what about other folks? We are open to having those conversations. In fact, I would welcome any feedback or thoughts you have on that. Uh, Drop us a line. Let us know. We would love to hear more. Will you, Nick, be following up with any of us? And if so, when? Yes. Yes. I actually do have plans to keep informal follow-ups rolling, independent of our jam sessions, independent of all the other things that Luis and I plan on doing. uh, I do have many of you on my list to reach out to just to have a follow-up with. No agenda, just to catch up. What's going on in your world, you know? There are a lot of you. (laughs) I'm especially going to prioritize some folks that I talked to early on that I, I haven't had much contact with the last few months. As I said earlier though, uh, if you would like to catch up, if you would just like more information on what we're doing, whatever, get in touch and we will find time to do that. Uh, My goal is, like I said, to reach out to as many people as I can while also balancing the process of analysis. So watch your inbox or drop us a line, either works. When can I expect updates on TCP? So in a way, I'm just going to stitch together some of the answers that I've offered to all the previous questions and say, yes, at some point there will be another email. Uh, We will offer some sort of general update to the whole group. My hope is that we're going to be engaging enough people in enough different ways throughout this process that at some point we're going to touch all of you in some way as we are gathering feedback going throughout our process. Um, But I promise, like I said earlier, however we do reach out, It will be through the minimum amount of emails to the group. Uh, I've gotten a lot of feedback about how this last year in particular has been a particularly crazy time for some people's inboxes. I don't want to add any extra traffic to that. And if I do, apologies. Thanks for your patience. By the way, I thought I heard you, Nick, mention something about using TCP As part of your master's thesis at Prescott College, is this true? Uh, Yes, actually. I am pleased to report that I do have the college's permission to double dip. Now, let's back up a moment and talk about what that actually means. So, first of all, way, way back in the beginning of the Tucson Climate Project, uh, there was a little bit of confusion, again, uh, entirely my fault, uh, related to just what this thing was. And there were a few people who reached out to me and said, oh, you're doing this as a project for school, this research. And I was like, well, no, not exactly. I'm working on behalf of a high school that's partnered with a college that just happens to be a college that I'm attending as a student in my off time, right? Uh, But as we increasingly got deeper and deeper into TCP, I mean, even Luis looked at me and was like, dude, this is a phenomenal opportunity for professional to inform personal and for your work to inform your research. Of course, the thorny issue throughout all of this was that typically uh, in a university or college setting, especially if you're pursuing you know, a graduate degree and you're conducting research, whatever, uh, typically you have to go through what's called uh, IRB, where you uh, need to get permission for whatever data you're going to gather, whatever human subjects you're going to work with, etc. cetera, the idea being that you're, again, not harming anyone with your research or you're not operating without consent. So on one hand, I had this massive data set, right? You know, a quarter million words worth of interview notes. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like, of course I want to use that for my thesis. Why would I want to go out and gather all that information again? You know, on the other hand, I hadn't gotten anyone's permission to use that for anything other than the Tucson Climate Project, right? And so in theory, there was always the option of potentially going back and asking everyone for consent again. But that, Just didn't seem like a good idea to me. So, my professor, Mary Jackson, and I, Mary's actually gotten a shout out on this podcast more than once. Um, You know, we sat down with Luis a few weeks ago and we were like, cool, this is what we got. This is the project. You know, what angles could I potentially take with my research? As of right now, in my Master's of Arts program on Outdoor Education Leadership, the plan, and I will actually be starting to write my thesis plan next week, um, is not to use anyone's information. So no, no ethics conflicts, no conflicts of interest there, but instead to essentially do a meta-analysis of the Tucson Climate Project and look at something called assemblage. Now I'm really dorking out on like, you know, research methodology and like things that you'd find in the literature. The long and short of it is I would like to zoom out to the 30,000 foot view on the 30,000 foot project. And to say, hey, what we did wasn't unheard of, but starting without a research question, that sort of ethnographical element, that's a little unorthodox. And so essentially documenting how the research methodology changed over time and reporting on the efficacy of that and looking at that and saying, how could this model be scaled? How could it be deployed and used elsewhere, et cetera? Uh, I won't have to pull in anyone's information for that. I can just speak sort of to my dual role as both subject and researcher Think of it like a giant literature review, right? And the hope also is that I will be able to use whatever I do for my master's thesis as hopefully a springboard into my doctoral work. Because yes, I am also uh, starting Prescott College's PhD program in sustainability education this August. You know, the hope is that whatever work I am doing with TCP, what that morphs into more in a moment, Changemaker High School, this community, etc., The hope is that that can also inform the research I'm doing academically so that I'm not just creating another report that goes on a shelf that was maybe beneficial to me but nobody else, but rather, you know, I'm diving deeper into questions that emerged either for myself or participants or whoever else in the process of doing TCP and then using my research as a way to follow up on that and maybe get some answers that, like I said, will be beneficial to more than just one of us. So there's an insane amount of privilege involved with what I'm doing. I recognize that, I'm very grateful for it. Prescott is an amazing institution. They have some sweet synergy with Changemaker, which is why they share a campus. And yeah, I will will be getting meta and using some of what I've done with the Climate Project to inform my work, which is super cool. Where is TCP social media? Where is your Instagram? Where is your Twitter? Where is your website? I can't find you anywhere. Well, yeah, you're right. It's because we, <laughs> it's because we don't have any, not yet, anyways. I did create a Facebook page for TCP uh, about a month or two ago. You know, pretty much explicitly for outreach purposes uh, for those folks that are not accessible, uh, you know, through traditional email or whatever else. Um, but really, if you have noticed, kind of the lack of presence of both the Climate Chats podcast and TCP proper on social media platforms. That has been very intentional up until this point. You know, on one hand, I'm a team of one, and if I'm being totally honest, I just have not found the time or the bandwidth to really invest in that. And on the other hand, part of our strategy of listening first and asking second was, hey, we don't want to start shouting from the rooftops about what we're doing, better to be really subtle and underground and grassroots about it and just kind of go around and talk to the people that are interested in participating and then, when we really have something to share later, then we will invest in all of those platforms. So, of course, at some point, I recognize that, especially for the Tucson Climate Chats podcast, uh, social media platforms will be very beneficial and kind of ramping up uh, marketing and distribution. I'll talk a little more about that in a moment. Uh, but right now, you know, we're just focused on analysis. So, our online hub is still the Tucson Climate Project guidebook. That is just uh, you know a fancy Google document that I whipped up a few months ago. That has, to my knowledge, all of the information about the project that has been compiled thus far all in one place. You can find a link to that both in the episode description as well as in my email signature, which you should all have access to. I also wanna give a quick shout out to four other individuals who have helped to get the word out about TCP. The first being Jordan Seney up at Arizona State University. Jordan has not only interviewed on this podcast, but is part of something called the Constellation Project. They are putting together a beautiful webpage for the Tucson Climate Project right now in their database. Super appreciative of that. And three folks over at Tucson Audubon Society, Keith Ashley, Matt Griffiths, and Autumn Sharp, who helped us to put together a full page spread for the Climate Project in their last edition of the Vermilion Flycatcher. It was brilliant. We definitely appreciated the publicity. We even got a few emails out of that. Um, So I'm sure there'll be more of that in the future. I just wanted to say thank you to those folks uh, because right now we're keeping our heads down. We're gonna keep up with analysis, but more good things to come. What is the future of the Tucson Climate Project? Oh, in a show full of questions, that might be the best one. Okay, so the short answer is uh, yes, we do think that TCP has a future beyond the initial report that we're going to be assembling and putting out uh, in a few months time. The long answer is, is that going all the way back to when Luis first recruited me to work with him back in April of last year, I think he had a vision that went way, way beyond year one. You know, AmeriCorps members typically serve year-long terms in the communities where they do their work. And, you know, even if their work is brilliant, just by nature of how AmeriCorps works, typically they move on after that year. I know many of you are familiar with this because you either employ AmeriCorps members or you've been in AmeriCorps or Peace Corps yourselves. Well, Luis has always been thinking bigger in terms of, you know, how can we scale this up depending on ideas that we see coming out either from participants or even just, you know, occurring to us as we go through the data. And we've had a few of our own. I'll kind of briefly recap two of those here. Uh, One of them being the climate project possibly being the basis for some sort of long-term environmental reporting in the community where if the community sees value in the work, if they see value in the storytelling component, that we standardize that and whether it's every two years, every five years, every 10 years, whatever, uh, we pay people for their time and we interview them about what they do and we document that for the benefit of the community. That was one idea. You know, another idea that Luis had more recently um, was Changemaker High School potentially building out a research department where, not in opposition to the University of Arizona, Arizona State University, Prescott College, et cetera, but rather to complement that, high schoolers would have the opportunity to participate in peer-reviewed community-based research. TCP could potentially serve as the proof of concept for that where if they choose to go to college, they could apply to an undergraduate or even an associate's program, and they would already be peer-reviewed published authors, which is crazy, right? They'd be coming in, in Luis's words, with these supercharged resumes. And so, again, that's just another pie-in-the-sky idea. Um, To a few of you, we have floated the name Eco Changemaker Network, And I do want to tell you today that although the Tucson Climate Project will be changing its name, for sure, because, again, people look at us and they're like, oh, you're a climate justice organization. And now that the Tucson Climate Coalition is a thing and there's several other groups with similar names, uh, again, shout out to Karen Peterson, Climate Tucson, um, we've realized, yeah we gotta rebrand so that people know we're talking about the whole pie and so that we're not taking away from the work of other people who are more specifically focused on those things. We floated the name Eco Changemaker Network to a few folks, they liked it. However, Luis and I just recently had another idea for where this could potentially all go and I have to hand it to the boss. I think he cracked the code this time. So I'm not gonna say anything just yet because we wanna ruminate on this one a little bit and really make sure that we've got uh, it dialed. And we wanna make sure that when it's time for us to come out with the report and essentially make our ask and the pitch as to what we'd like this to turn into, um, that again, it's really what would benefit the community, it's what we're interested in, et cetera. But I don't think it's gonna be Eco Maker Network anymore. I think we're thinking even bigger than that Um, which is super exciting. So hopefully uh, I'm building the hype right now in a way that's not too obnoxious, but stay tuned. I'm really hoping to have more to share on that front sooner rather than later. uh, We just need to do a little bit more of internal R&D research and development. And then, you know, also selectively pitch this idea to a few people in the community, get their feedback. And then when the time is right, uh, like I said, we're thinking way bigger than just one year. So stay tuned. More on that when we have it. What is the future of the Tucson Climate Chats podcast? You will recall that back at the beginning of this episode, I made a comment about TCP and Tux futures potentially being divergent as time goes on. I stand by that. I don't know that for a fact, but as the Tucson Climate Project prepares to morph, uh, going from a caterpillar fifth instar uh, for all you entomologists out there as it is right now, and you know into a chrysalis and beyond, you know the Tucson Climate Chats podcast, I think it might start to go in a bit of a different direction. I think it's still going to speak to the work that we're doing with whatever TCP turns into rebrands as, etc. But as of right now, I wanna build on what we have, which is to say that when TCP starts to emerge from analysis, we have, and by we, I mean Luis and I, have a little bit more bandwidth uh, to potentially pursue some other options. You know, nature, culture, justice across spaces. That's the focus of the show, the intersection of environmental issues and social justice in the community. How can we build on that and just make what we're already doing more robust? Uh, Back in January, Luis floated the idea to me of potentially transforming the climate chats into a radio show here in Tucson. Holy cow. Uh, You know, the vision being that him and I would co-host that, and it would basically be like an environmental talk show where y'all, all the people that we've had as contributors so far, could call in and talk about whatever the issue of the day was with us. You know, we're still very much thinking about that. But again, we've both just had so many other things going on that for now, I'm still recording episodes intermittently. There's all sorts of folks that I want to have on the show whose work I want to highlight publicly. Yes, at some point, I want to hop on social media and you know actually start to market this thing because you know what? I'm going to be honest. No, I'm not perfect and I still have a lot to learn, but I am really proud of some of the content that uh, we've produced these last eight months or so. You know, most of that being proud has to do with our guests who have been absolutely phenomenal. I'm just over here asking the questions, right? But like, do I think the platform has value? Have we gotten really good feedback about it? Yeah, we have. And seeing again, as we, you know, don't have a budget or a staff, and I really waded into this with no experience. I had never done anything like this before. Um, I've been really pleasantly surprised by how it's gone. So... Again, to bottom line it, I think the show absolutely has a future. I'm going to be reaching out to many of you over the coming weeks and months about potentially recording interviews and maybe even doing some more group chats, kind of like episode 19 where we put together some think tanks or some jam sessions or what have you, different people, different backgrounds, different organizations, you know, talking about a particular issue that interests us all. I have plans for that. Again, it's really just a matter of finding the time making it happen if you have any of your own ideas if you're listening to the show and you're like oh this is great like I want more of this and you think you potentially have a way to leverage your connections or your resources to make that happen uh reach out Luis and I love ideas as I think you've definitely gotten a sense for over the last hour or so let us know we're interested What does your, Nick's, future look like? How long will you be in Tucson? Oh, again, such a good question and one that, you know, I will answer as honestly as I can. I'm not here to beat around the bush, right? Uh, I've learned in the past not to make declarative statements about my life and where I think I'm potentially going. Uh, As of a year ago, all the paperwork was filled out. I was supposed to be in Palmer, Alaska right now, uh, finishing my master's through Alaska Pacific University. That obviously didn't happen. I'm very glad that I changed my mind and decided to come here. But anyways, yeah, what does my future look like in Tucson? Officially, I don't know, past July 19th. Uh, As I mentioned earlier, I am officially accepted into Prescott College's PhD program in sustainability education, I will be starting that this august there is hopefully unbelievably like wow in the time of covid an in-person orientation that will be happening in prescott in august and part of my original goal in moving to southern arizona was to be in the orbit of the college mentorship is a really big deal to me i wanted access to those resources and those people um at this point as you probably picked up on listening to me talk here I think the assumption is that yes, I will be in Tucson. Um, I will be working in some capacity with Luis, with Changemaker, with the Tucson Climate Project, whatever TCP morphs into at the end of our first report. Because again, there is a name change in the offing. We are gonna pop out of that chrysalis and whether we are a butterfly or a dragon or a wombat or whatever it is we turn into, I think the assumption is that I'm gonna have a key role in that. We just don't know exactly what that looks like yet. Um, we're working on it. My goal is to stick around for a while, as long as I can make it work financially. You know that really is the biggest thing, right? Just like every other, uh, you know, millennial sob story over here. I got loans to pay and different things to worry about. And no, I can't continue to live on an Americorps salary forever. As long as I can make that work. I am perfectly happy to put a little bit of my privilege on the line and live a little uncomfortably if it means, you know, finding a transition that really allows me to do some work here that, again, the community is either asking for or could benefit from. You know, I've been a nomad the last five years of my life in the sense that I've wandered all over the West Coast. I've worked a variety of education, education education-adjacent positions, and landing here in Southern Arizona is really the first time that I've said, whoa, like... I'm making all these connections in the community i'm really really enjoying the vibes and the energy i'm getting from other people you know i potentially see a future here uh long term you know i should be honest long term i do plan on going back to ohio you know and something i have realized over the last five years especially as i've started to reckon with some of my own privilege and just the fact that Yeah, I mean, think about what it takes for someone to be able to just work all these different seasonal jobs, make very little money, and not necessarily have to plan for their future. Um, I want to go back to my home community, because how many people are ultimately shouting from the rooftops like, yeah, Cleveland! I'm from Northeast Ohio, right? Uh, I love where I grew up, and it's taken me almost 26 years to really realize that, too. You know, I deeply, deeply appreciate the community that I grew up in. I think there's also uh, a lot of issues there related to some of the things that we've unpacked on this podcast and the climate project, et cetera, that need to be addressed. And let's be real people leave Cleveland all the time, but whoever goes back, you know, think about the brain drain that happens there. Everybody wants to get out. Oh, I'm going to go to California. I'm going to go to Florida. I'm going to go to Massachusetts, whatever. How many people, you know, have the privilege and the ability to go and learn and then bring all those skills and that personal growth back to their home community and then say, Hey, listen, I don't know exactly what I'm going to do with all of this, but like, I'm here to help. And I'm actually like from here, not from here, from here. You know, I don't have any genetic ancestry, uh, in North America, right? I am a guest ultimately on indigenous lands, wherever I go. But Ohio is the closest thing I have to a home community And I feel very passionately about it. So it's really just a question of when, not if, I return. In the meantime, I see value in the work that I'm doing here. I think Tucson, generally, uh, I'm not speaking for anyone else. I think Tucson sees value in the work that's being done here. I'd like to stick around and help out. I'd like to get to know many of you uh, that I've only met virtually. Out of the 218 people I've interviewed, I have met Precisely four of you in person. Uh, Luis and I have never even met in person, despite talking multiple times a week. The running joke right now is that we're actually AI, we're just bots, we're software, we're not even real people. Um, you know, I haven't even really gotten to experience Tucson for what it is pre or post pandemic. And so several people have challenged me and said, Hey, how long do you plan on sticking around? And do you realize that in order to build many of these relationships that you are going to have to put some skin in the game and be here long term i have no illusions about ever being considered you know from this place or of this place and that's not what i want anyways i fully embrace my status as a guest here but do i see a future with the work does luis want me to stick around am i enthusiastic about where this is potentially all going and how i could contribute oh yeah definitely And like I said to many of you as we were wrapping up interviews, my goal long-term is to be able to meet all of you in person someday, all 218 of you, and go out for coffee or a hike or whatever, hang out around the campfire, and really get to know you as people. Because that really has been the goal of this project, above and beyond anything else, even good data, whatever. It's been to build relationships. And uh, as Luis has said many times, you know, to catalyze and actualize, uh, you know, different parts of this community. You know, I'm super humbled, like I said, there's many days where I just feel like I'm riding the wave along for the ride. Um, I can't even believe the level of trust and willingness people have shown to share their stories. That's encouraging, it's absolutely breathtaking, it's inspiring. And I want to be part of that. So no, I can't tell you what my future looks like exactly. But my hope is that it will involve me being in this community and playing my part, whatever that might be, uh, as I continue my becoming and we'll see where this thing goes. I still have more questions or maybe even just a question that you didn't answer in the last hour or so. Hey, that's totally fine. Um, I tried to be as thorough as I could, but if there is anything that I missed, and just to reiterate what I said earlier one more time, if there's anything that you would like to reach out, talk to myself or Luis or both of us about, put on our radar, share, whatever, please, 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 do drop us a line, get in touch. N Spinelli at ArizonaServe.org, S P I N E L L I.org. I will make sure that you have Luis's email as well. He has not only CC'd on the message you received, um, but I will make sure to include it in the episode description as well. We are here, we are available, we want to hear your thoughts. We are super, super excited to see where this thing goes in the future, and we couldn't do it without y'all. So, thank you. For your contributions and stay tuned for much much more coming from the Tucson Climate Project very soon.